Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford and Danny Snart here with you. First pod of 2021. It feels good. The year's already off to a solid start here. Um, and if you're big podcast news right off the bat, Dan, I am talking into a microphone, a professional microphone. This is, I, I don't know how this happened. My brother-in-law had one of these lying around. He gave it to me. I have no like studio setup. I'm just holding this heavy thing. It's very awkward. I had to use my old MacBook to record this because uh, the, the new MacBooks, for whatever reason, don't have USB ports. And uh, I'm going to have to buy one of those, I don't know, Thunderbolt cables, whatever they are. If you're a nerd listening to this freaking out because I'm using the wrong nomenclature, whatever. I'm sorry. I, I'm not I'm not tech savvy, but I'm hoping this sounds okay. We did a little bit of a dry test run. It sounded fine in the recording. I can't wait to publish this and have it sound like we're completely underwater, even worse than usual. But right off the bat, Dan, fancy new CC podcast in 2021. I'm very, very proud of you. Yeah, 2021, catching up with the times here. I'm actually um, a, a new owner of AirPods, um, which I know I'm way behind in the times there. So, yeah, we're, we're just busting out all the new gadgets uh, for the uh, first podcast of 2021 here. AirPods, microphone, what the fuck's going on here? Wait, wait. This is, uh, I, I feel this like. This isn't your grandmother's podcast. <laughs> I can't wait until it's like the lowest amount of downloads that we've ever had. It's like, got to go back to the old Mac. Got to go back to the old way. Let's just straight Skype it. Um, but we have plenty to talk about today. Louisville basketball, huge game. We're recording this Wednesday morning in Louisville at 6.30 tonight. It's going to play Virginia Tech in, I think, a game that heading into the season, we didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to. When the ACC schedule first came out, obviously everybody looked at it and said, this thing is insanely backloaded. Um, all the big games are in February and early March, but now we're staring down a week where we're playing a Virginia Tech team that I think, according to most people, is playing the best basketball of anybody in the conference right now. Um, we played Georgia Tech on Saturday, who finally seems to be hitting their stride, although there's a chance that game's not going to be played. They've got COVID issues. They had to cancel their game against uh, Notre Dame tonight, but this is a, it kind of out of nowhere has become a very big week for Louisville basketball, and with uh, NC State losing to Clemson last night. The winner of tonight's Virginia Tech-Louisville game will be all alone in first place in the ACC. So uh, kind of a, a cool thing right off the bat to get started in 2021. Cards playing well. Um, I guess we can start off by talking a little bit about the way UofL played against Boston College. I know it's kind of old news at this point. I wrote about it on Card Chronicle yesterday, and I said, look, I know it's a not-so-great Boston College team, the worst team record-wise in the conference. But the fact that Louisville was able to, after a slow start, control things from start to finish, get that type of performance from David Johnson, get Carly Jones to have a stat style performance, even though he didn't shoot the ball well, and get Samuel Williamson, I think, back on track and have the other uh, role players play pretty well. I thought it was a really just rock-solid overall performance and a good one to have going into a really big week. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, as far as the Boston College game goes, that's that's the type of performance you you want to see because um, those games you know obviously I mean all, this year all the gyms are empty obviously but um, it, it can be just kind of a sleepy game it's a noon game on the road against an inferior opponent um, you know they did come out a little flat which is something that you know it's kind of been a trend so we need to buck that um, especially tonight but yeah I was happy with the performance. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot to complain about. Uh, I, I thought Sam Williamson, even though he started out slow, um, I thought the energy energy level was there. 
I think he had a couple tough breaks. I know he had a, a tough foul there at the beginning. Um, but I think it was awesome to see how he responded after a little bit of adversity because it just seemed like, you know, the first half and maybe the, the you know, the two games prior, nothing had gone his way. Um, but he didn't hang his head. Uh, he came right. He came back, played really well. And then obviously we got the performances from from David Johnson and uh, Carlick Jones. I mean, Carlick, I, I want to talk about him for a second because he is I mean, not only is he a leader for this team, I feel like he's putting up numbers and he's not shooting the ball particularly well right now, as well as I think we all expect him to. So I think that makes this team ceiling even higher once he, his shot starts falling here, um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, currently leads the ACC in assists at 5.1 assists per game. Um, is I mean, can we say, I have no idea if this is accurate or what the numbers are across the country, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it because whatever, it's a CZ podcast. We say whatever we want. Best six foot one rebounder in America. Carly Jones. Yeah, no, both of our guards. I mean, it's such a luxury to have, especially with how thin we are up front. Um, we have two of the best rebounding guards in America, and I, I, I couldn't be more excited about it. Were you more excited about Sam kind of getting back on track, David Johnson having a career high and looking like an NBA first-round player, or Gabe Wisnitzer scoring points? I'm easily Gabe. I gave the biggest fist pump of all time. Like the first half, he got an offensive rebound. And he went back up. I think I screamed as soon as he did it. Um, I, I forgot what happened, but I don't think he can, he converted, but uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, I mean, obviously happy about all three. I mean, gosh, David Johnson is playing so well right now. Not only does his shot look good from the outside, he's, you know, last game, he made great decisions. Um, we put him in the middle of that zone and he was fantastic. He, you know, he, he knew exactly when to attack, when to pass out of it. Um, so between him and, and Sam manning the middle of a zone, which you'll probably see from here on out whenever we face it. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a nice luxury that we're able to rotate two guys in there that make good decisions with the ball. And this is Gabe's conference now. This, this is, he's put off the, he got tossed around a little bit by Wisconsin um, on national TV, tossed around a little bit by Pitt in the first ACC game, uh, got his shit thrown when he first got into the game on, uh, on Saturday against Boston College. But after grabbing a rebound, scoring an easy putback, looking like Mo Schrute running up and down the floor still, I, I think he's put the vibe out that now this is, the, this is him. And he, in all honesty, like, I felt like in the Pitt game, we kind of just played him to play him, and he was kind of getting in the way on offense. He looked like he he kind of belonged more in this game, and I'm happy for my guy Gabe. He's uh, he's getting big minutes. We'll, we'll address this now before we get into the question segment because there were, I mean, we've gotten a bunch of the, these types of questions every time we've asked for questions in the last three or four weeks, but there were more than ever this week. Everybody wanting to ask about Aiden Nagehan, uh, what's going on there, and it's understandable given how much excitement there was for this guy when he committed. I mean, he maybe he came to Louisville Live. People had signs. The entire student section was was all about the Irish Hulk. He was at that time, I think, the highest rated player in the class who committed to Louisville. Wound up being, I, I'm assuming, the second highest player in the class behind Samuel Williamson. And right now, he's the only scholarship player who's not not getting minutes. And, and I do think it's a combination of factors. But the biggest factor is it, it just seems like he's not ready, and the staff believes he's not ready. And it's it's odd to hear. I don't want to say their complaints. I think it's it's more curiosity from Louisville fans. Just you know, wh why is this guy who looks the part and who had 
all the accolades coming out of high school, not getting minutes on a team that has, you know, nine healthy scholarship players and has had eight healthy scholarship players for the better part of the year. And I understand the curiosity, but the team's playing well right now. Um, I don't think that they need Aiden Agayon. I think what you're getting, what you would get from him is kind of what you're getting from Gabe Wisnitzer. So um, if that changes, then maybe we'll see what happens. But it is, it does make you wonder. It's impossible not to wonder about what his future is going to be here if he's not getting minutes deep, this deep into his sophomore year. I completely agree. But I, I, I'm going to give the coaching staff the benefit of the doubt here. Um, I mean, they made the right decision last year in redshirting Jalen Withers. Um, we got to see him develop. And, you know, there's a reason he's not playing if it is something that we don't know about, you know, obviously that's another thing. But, uh, you know, from the outsider's point of view, from what we're looking at, it, you know, we've seen what Aiden's been able to bring to the table. And to be honest, like you said, it's not a whole lot more than what Gabe is giving us right now. So, you know, hopefully whatever Aiden needs to do in practice um, or, or in his own time to keep improving and, and, you know, hopefully get some minutes down the road, he does that. But, uh, I'm going to give Chris back Chris Mack the benefit of the doubt right now that he's you know playing the guys that are going to give him the best chance to win. All right, let's talk a little bit about Virginia Tech again. 6:30 tip off tonight, ACC Network. Um, I, I think it's not an overstatement to say this is the biggest game in the conference this week. Um, Louisville outside the top 25 in the AP poll, number 25 in the coaches poll. I think Virginia Tech is number 18, 19, or 19, 20, depending on which poll you're looking at. Um, but it's a Virginia Tech team that has only one loss this season. They've been surprisingly good. They, they've got a whole bunch of players that you've probably never heard of. I think uh, Wasiba Bidi is the only guy that local fans maybe are all that familiar with. Their leading scorer, Kevi Aluma, was a two-year player at Wofford, where Mike Young used to be the head coach, followed him here, sat out last year, and has been kind of a revelation down low. But they don't look a lot like the Virginia Tech teams that, that we've seen in the past. They don't get up and down a whole bunch. They're going to play at a tempo that's about like ours. It's pretty slow. Um, they do shoot the three well, but they don't shoot it quite as much uh, as they as they used to, which is not a, a, a terrible statement because Buzz Williams, uh, when he was here, they were up and down and shooting the three about as much as anybody in the country. But they've got capable shooters. They've got the guy who maybe has been the best front court player in the conference so far this year. This is a, a good Virginia Tech team, but I'll start off with this. Do you know, Dan, off the top of your head, how many consecutive times we've beaten VT? Um, 16. 16 is correct. 16 consecutive <laughs> times. Louisville is the longest active winning streak that we have against an opponent. Do you know what year Virginia Tech's last win over Louisville came? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, man. I'll say 92. That's I was you almost nailed both those questions, which would have been super impressive. Uh, Nineteen ninety one was the last time Virginia Tech beat Louisville. They swept the cards in the uh, the ninety ninety. So season. so I have a I have a confession. Okay. I, first off, I I didn't know you were going to ask this, um, but before we hopped on, I vaguely remember the first Louisville game I ever went to was a Louisville Virginia Tech game. So I googled it real quick. Um, and so when I did that, it brought up like the history of the series. Um, so I, I did see the 16 wins, obviously maybe like 30 minutes before you asked me that. So that's why I was able to nail that. But, 
I remember going to, I, th- I believe it was a Metro Conference tournament game in 1992. Um, and, and that was the very first Louisville game I'd ever been to. So um, props to me for being a fan for this long and props to me, to me for knowing my Virginia Tech uh, hit basketball history here. Nice pass, Ross. I like the, the <laughs> that when you think 90s Virginia Tech basketball, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, um, right answer to this I, one. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna say, I, I, I get, a, I used to get them mixed up with Georgia Tech. That's what I really think. <laughs> <laughs> think the only thing that I think of back in the Metro Conference Virginia Tech days, Ace Custis. And the ace tattoo that he had on his uh, left arm. He had like the, uh, the the playing card was right there. It was badass. Like, obviously not as much of on my Virginia Tech history as you here. I have zero idea I, who the hell that is. I don't remember Ace Custis. Jesus, come on. This is this I know. the early Dan Chicago. You were too Hollywood for in, in your first early Louisville days. But he was he was a badass. I think he was he was either on staff there or he moved on somewhere else. I just remember we had him on the radio a few years ago. And I was like, do you still have the tattoo? <laughs> and he was like, it's like, yeah, I still have the fucking tattoo. I was like, cool. That's that's all I got for you, Ace. I love you. Um, but 6.30 tip-off tonight, I mean, this kind of feels like it's it's weird because we've had the Kentucky game. We had the Wisconsin game. But this still kind of feels like that first big conference tilt where, you know, you spend all day looking forward to it. But it's an ACC Network game against a team that wasn't projected to be a, like a top half of the conference squad. But still, man, like I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one, and I think it's a massive game, and I do think it's going to tell us more about Louisville than maybe any game we've played so far this year. I mean, Pitt and Boston College are expected to be, um, you know, first Tuesday ACC tournament teams. They're going to finish in the bottom four of the league. Um, Kentucky is is way down, and we can talk about them a little bit later. Um, they still suck. They're, they're not good at basketball, and the Wisconsin game. I, th- I think you, again, we can't just totally toss it out, but it's a 37-point loss where we were coming back from COVID and didn't have Carly Jones. I think we're going to – like, I don't think it's a stretch to say that we find out more about this Louisville basketball team tonight than we have at any point in the prior month and a half. I, I agree we're going to find out more about our team. I think by the end of the year, um, and I could end up eating my words here, um, I think, you know, the – usual suspects will rise to the top in the ACC. I know Clemson's hanging around up there right now, NC State, Virginia Tech. And, you know, by the end of the year, those teams could very well be in the top, you know, four to five. Um, But I would still bet against it. I I would still bet, you know, a Virginia or a Duke or, I mean, Carolina, that's tough. I wouldn't say them. Um, But, you know, maybe a couple other name programs might rise. But, it's funny, and I, I was telling you this yesterday. I think right after the Kentucky game, I was looking at odds to win the ACC, and Louisville was plus sixteen hundred, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Wow, I feel like that's pretty long for such like a a wide open conference race right now." And then I, I considered putting a bet down on it, and for some reason I didn't. And then two days later, it was already down to plus six hundred, and I think it's even lower than that right now. So. I mean, the conference is there for the taking. Um, It's so wide open, but I think you're right. I think this game will tell us a lot. Um, I think the two teams are are fairly similar, like you said. Um, I like that it's a home game. I like that it seems like we're playing pretty well right now. 
Um, I would have liked to have Charles Minlin back, but you know, it seems like that's a foregone conclusion that that's coming right up. But yeah, I'm excited. Kind of a surprise big game for the ACC lead, you know, right out of the gate. I'll take it any day of the week. I'm with you too. Like, I think that when we, like, I don't think Virginia Tech's going to wind up being a top three team in this conference. Um, I mean, that said, they, they absolutely could. This, this league is way down. Nobody who we thought was, was going to be good has been overly impressive. Uh, it's still very strange to look at the top 25 every week and not see a single ACC team in the top 15. But I, I still think Virginia is going to, just based on history and based on the pieces they have, they're going to be fine. I think they're probably going to wind up being the strongest team in the league. I think Clemson's really good, um, just having watched them play three times over the last couple of weeks. Amir Sims is, is awesome. Um, they've got better guard play this year. I think Brad Brownell is actually a decent X's and O's coach, uh, probably more than he gets credit for. I, I think that, that, you know, they looked pretty good against NC State last night, getting the win there. And then, I mean, you expect Duke to hit its stride at some point. I'm with you on Carolina. I don't know why they're not better. Like they seem, Garrison Brooks is awesome. Armando Baycott is is good. Um, they've got good enough guards. They should not be this bad. And uh, you do kind of wonder if we're on the the downslope of the Roy Williams era there. How about how about the point guards we missed out on with Caleb Love and Devin Askew and then ending up with Carlick Jones. Like we could not have hit the lottery more with that um, from what I've seen so far. Cause the other two, I know Askew's improving a little bit. Uh, I mean, I've watched Caleb Love two games in a row and he's afraid to even shoot the ball. He shot so bad. So uh, I think we came out looking real nice on that one. This is where if we had like a heavy-duty production or even average production, we could play Unanswered Prayers by Garth Brooks and just uh, <laughs> go there. <laughs> let, let, let him, because you're totally right. I mean, if we got – if we had landed Devin Askew or Caleb Love or – and I feel like there's there's even another one that we were going after that we didn't wind up getting. Um, I, don't, I, I can't remember who I'm thinking of. But if we'd landed one of those guys and not wound up getting Carly Jones – I think we'd be in a much worse spot. I, I, I don't think. I know we would be. Like, Carly Jones is – I think you can make the case that he's the most valuable player in the entire ACC. And we would be lost without that guy. And if we were trying to kind of get through this all with Devin Askew or Caleb Love, I, I feel like we'd have at least one or two more losses. And our overall outlook for the rest of the season wouldn't be nearly as strong. So it's a, a totally, totally valid point. Um do you have any like other thoughts? Virginia Tech's a weird team to preview right now, just because like the the level of competition that they've faced hasn't been great in conference play, kind of like us. Um, they're still sort of trying to find their footing, even though their overall record's great, and their players are pretty unfamiliar. Like we we don't know a whole lot about these guys. They lost a lot when uh, Mike Young took over the program. They got a bunch of transfers. They've got a couple of guys who hung around and are stepping into bigger roles, but by and large, this is a team that's going to look completely different than the VT teams that we've gone up against really since we've joined the ACC. But do you have any parting thoughts on this game before we move on and answer some Twitter questions? Um, I wouldn't say on the the game. I I think that Mike Young has been a good hire for them. I thought they overachieved last year, and obviously they're playing well this year. they got to win over Villanova. So it seems like, you know – if you're comparing him versus Buzz Williams, I I think they're going to come out looking nice ending up with Mike Young here. Um, so I'm interested. I, I, I think – I can't remember last year if when we played him because I, I look back at the score and we won by 20. If we just played really well or Virginia Tech played bad, 
Um, but I, I do remember it was senior night. It was the Keith Otto game. That's right. Um, and, you know, I, I, I do think this is going to be a program in, in the next four to five years that you'll see, you know, maybe not necessarily in the top three or four, but the, that's going to be hanging around that upper echelon of the ACC. I think Mike Young's the real deal. I, I thought he was a fantastic hire when they landed him. I do think it's interesting that they're playing a style. I mean, he's, He's kind of like Chris Mack in that he's had to contort his style just a little bit based on the pieces he inherited. I mean, at Wofford, you know, they were so run and gun. They were a lot of bunch of little guys shooting perimeter shots and trying to beat you that way. Uh, if you remember watching them play against Kentucky, that they were a couple of made threes away from winning that game. And now having a legitimate post threat, um, having you know guards that don't shoot quite as well as his Wofford guards did, he's had to change things up a little bit. And they don't play nearly as fast as he did when he was – uh, playing in the SoCon, but so far he's done a, a terrific job. I'm with you. I think they overachieved a, a lot last year. They were more formidable than they probably should have been with that roster. And then they lose Landers Nolly, who was maybe the best freshman in America last year that, that didn't go pro um, to a, a Memphis transfer. And they're they're even better. Um, Tyrese Radford's been really good. Jalen Cohn's been really good. Uh, Naheem Allen's been really good. Like all those guys have, have stepped up. And any, anybody that we saw in last year's game, I feel like is going to be playing better basketball this year. So um, Louisville, a four-and-a-half-point favorite, according to the odds makers right now, would fully expect this game and Saturday's game against Georgia Tech, if it gets played, to be really big battles. I think this is going to be a, a fun week for Louisville basketball fans, um, even though it didn't look like it was going to be on paper. So very excited about this. And Again, we'll talk more about the game later in the week. We don't want to hammer too much preview stuff in here because I know some people will listen to the pod tomorrow. But we do want to get to... Uh, the Twitter questions, and a perfect segue here to start this is a tweet from Flippy Minaj, who says, I would love it if you would broadcast for me how awesome Home Field Apparel is. I ordered some cards gear months ago. The t-shirt was too small. They saw my review and shipped me a better-fitting one for free. That's awesome. Go cards. Beat Vatek. We'll also talk about that a little bit later. But we do want to remind you guys this podcast is sponsored by Home Field Apparel. They've still got their uh, their vintage UFL gear. It's fully locked. It's fully uh, loaded. You can check it out at homefieldapparel.com. They sold a bunch of stuff during Christmas, and now they're restocked. Um, if you want to use the promo code at checkout, you still can. It's all one word, Card Chronicle. That's going to save you 20% off that first purchase. Uh, Homefield Apparel, they got just flooded with orders over the Christmas season, so if it took you a little bit of time to get your stuff, uh, now's a perfect time to order. They're back. They're loaded. They're ready to go. Homefieldapparel.com. Homefield Apparel without the E on Twitter is how you follow them there, and Homefield Apparel on Instagram as well. Again, the comfiest, softest hoodies you're ever going to find. The best T-shirts with the best retro Louisville Dunkin' Cardinal Bird logos you can ever find. Homefield Apparel's got you covered. And they've also got a billion other teams uh, as well. And we, I saw a couple of people mention this on Twitter during their reviews. They were uh, brought to Homefield Apparel. What pushed them over the edge was us saying they have no Kentucky products. It's one of the few schools they don't have anything for. So if you want to give them your business just because of that, eh, all the more reason. Homefieldapparel.com. We thank them, as always, for being our sponsors. All right, Dan, do you want to, uh, to get to some of these Twitter questions? Let's go. All right. Um, we'll start off with a little bit of football. I, I'm, I'm excited about this this weekend. I know both of our teams, the, the Mighty Lions and the Mighty Vikings of Minnesota, played a meaningless game over the weekend where the Lions got completely fucked because they always get fucked. Um, but whatever, it, it's helped them. It didn't cost them any spots in the draft. But NFL playoffs do start this weekend. And the first question from Nicole is, Will Lamar get his first playoff win this Saturday? Ravens made it in 
uh, destroyed the Bengals over the weekend. They now get a rematch with the Tennessee Titans, who knocked them out of the playoffs last year. What do you think, Dan? Uh, does Lamar finally get over that hump and get that first playoff win? He has had a tough time with the Titans for whatever reason. And this year, the Titans' defense is awful. Um, but I, I know that uh, for whatever reason, he's struggled against Tennessee. Um, I'm going to say he does. I, I think he, he finally gets one under his belt here. Um, and hopefully just getting one under his belt will kind of take the pressure off and ho- hopefully he can go on a little bit of a run in the AFC. I'm with you. I mean, I, the Titans have probably been the better team from start to finish, but I feel like, um, I don't know, I, the, the Ravens are playing well at the right time. I'll use the, the worst cliche I can think of to say that and say, based on only that, they're going to advance. I don't think they can beat the Chiefs in the second round, but I do think they take care of the Titans and people stop talking. I mean, people talk about Lamar Jackson as if he's like, you know, back in the day, Coach K coaching for 20 years before winning a national title or, or, you know, Tom Izzo getting to the final four all these times and not winning a national title. Like he's played in two fucking playoff games. I feel like it's just it's the one thing that people who want to take away from Lamar still have. And so they just hammer it. But it's 0-2. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And last year, I mean. He had, I think, eight or nine drop passes and still yeah. threw for over 300 yards. So, I mean, you know, that's just people. Uh, when you get to pro teams, like, people just – I mean, college people hate, but pro teams, the haters are just absolutely way out there on Twitter. They'll, they'll find any reason to hate on someone they don't like. All right, outside of the Aiden Agehan questions, the, the thing that people want us to talk about the most, did you see the drama um, – with the, the Virginia Tech fans and the Va Tech stuff yesterday? I, I came across it like, you know, people were spelling it V-A-H, and I guess Virginia Tech fans were getting pissed. That's that's kind of the extent that I know about it. All right, so I noticed in the I – was, I was writing the preview for Car Chronicle for the game, and I noticed in the Virginia Tech game notes they have a, a section that says uh, you, you can feel free to refer to us as Virginia Tech or VT or Hokies but please don't refer to us as VAH Tech. And then it says thank you, which is a very silly thing to put in game notes. And I feel like it's kind of like when you, you know, you're hanging out with your friends and one of your buddies is like, hey, man, just want to let you guys know, uh, please don't call me Lucy. Like, like, I didn't even know that was a thing, but now I feel obligated to call you Lucy because you made it a point to say it. Like, I, I feel like that note in the game notes is more to broadcasters like because you hear Virginia Tech referred to as Votech on TV shows and radio and stuff like that but I never see it written out like that and if I do see it written out it's VA uh, Tech not VAH but now I feel like I have to call them Votech and I have to write it out because their fans have been such dicks about it like I made one mention of it kind of making fun of it I got a go fuck yourself email I got uh, somebody who said (laughs) again you can find this all it's on Twitter Somebody who quite literally said that I'm the problem with the world because I, I just can't call them Virginia Tech or Hokies or whatever. I mean, imagine saying that after everything that's happened over the past year, that somebody not referring to their team the way that they want to in a college sports game is the is the problem with the world. And these people have gone insane. And apparently I just missed it when it when it's happened before. They railed on ESPN's David Hale when he had a similar thing. They've gone nuts about it. And like all these people are in my mentions saying why didn't you just email the SID directly? Because it's not that big of a fucking deal. It's the dumbest thing in the entire world. And I had no plans on calling your program anything other than VT or Virginia Tech or Hokies up until now. 
And now I'm going to call him Vatek forever. So the, yeah, this is first off, this is like right up your wheelhouse. Like whether it comes to like Clemson rushing the field or, or, you know, calling Virginia tech Vatek, this is where you shine the most in the Twitter sphere. Um, so I'm glad to see that you've taken full advantage of it. Uh, second of all, if they're going to do that, can we get Kenny Klein to go ahead and put in the game notes, like not to call us the U or the U of L? Um, cause w- w- sometimes when people do that, it, it I, I will say it, it, it just sounds weird. It's like, here comes the U of L, um, when obviously we just call it U of L. So if they're going to do that, then we have all rights to, to, you know, put the U of L in our game notes. So. I would like to be called King. Like, just just call me that from now on. Um, I'd like my teams to be called the gods, the Louisville gods. Like, we're going to put that in the game notes. Like, it, it just, whatever. We're going to call you what we want. Like, that's uh, it's just a dumb. What is it with Virginia schools and game notes? Like, the, remember when we played Virginia in football? They had the whole thing about, like, you'd never refer to UVA as campus. It's the grounds. And, you know, Mark or Thomas Jefferson said you never stop learning. So we don't have freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. Because senior implies that you're almost done learning. We have first year say like shut the fuck up. Like, I, I, first of all, we're the Commonwealth. You're, you're not the Commonwealth. Get out of my face. But these Virginia game notes are just the most absurd shit. Like, just tell me who's playing well. Just tell me where you know Ave Kaluma ranks in the rebounding in the ACC. Like, that's all I need to know here. Like, just shut up. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I've really ever dived into the game notes, but I'm glad you're bringing this to my attention because it just gives me a – I'm always looking for reasons to hate. Like, some of these – I mean, the ACC, uh, yeah, we've been in there for five, six years now, but, you know, some of these schools, I, I couldn't really get a full hatred towards them, maybe like I did back in the, the Big East days. Um, but, yeah, just give me more reasons, and I, I'm all on board. Yeah, I mean, we've beaten Virginia Tech 16 straight times. Mike Young is, I mean, what what percentage of our fans could pick him out of a lineup? Maybe 5%, if that, like 2%. Here's why I can't hate Virginia Tech, Montrez Harrell. I mean, that's literally the one reason I can't hate on him too much because, I mean, my God, they just served him right up on a platter for us. Counterpoint, Marcus Vick. This is true. Yeah, well, football – Football is is different. I'm 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 mainly talking Vatek basketball. I, I haven't really found a true reason to hate. Although Seth Greenberg's getting very annoying on TV, but whatever. I mean, Seth Greenberg. Here's I love butterfly effect stuff when it comes to college basketball. How about this? Seth Greenberg not taking Stephen Curry, thinking that he wasn't good enough to play at Virginia Tech, wound up getting Montres Harrell to play at Louisville because if if Greenberg and again, like Steph Curry was basically like, I'll do anything. I want to play at Virginia Tech. And Seth Greenberg looked this guy who's you know gonna be a surefire Hall of Famer in the face and said, You're not good good enough to play in the ACC. I think it it's a safe assumption that had Curry gone to Virginia Tech, Seth Greenberg wouldn't have been fired, or at least wouldn't have been fired when he was fired, which means Montres Harrell would have wound up playing for the Hokies, would not have come to Louisville. Maybe we don't win a national title without Montres Harrell. Like Seth Greenberg Turning down Steph Curry maybe gave us a national title. How about that? Yeah, wild to think about. I can't. I can't think about my life as a Louisville fan without Trez and especially the dunk that we all know about. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm forever grateful for for Seth Greenberg getting fired. He out of all the he annoys me so much on TV. 
but I still feel like he's given me more joy than hurt over the years just because that one dunk, he made it happen. Uh, have you seen the movie Moana, Dan? You've got older kids than I do. Here we go again. So uh, these movies, I have a very distinct way of when I put on a movie or a show for kids to just immediately black out. Like I can stare at the screen <laughs> and just not pay attention to what is going on, um, but somehow look like I'm watching. The thing I remember about Moana was it had a good soundtrack. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what happened in the actual movie. I think my kids liked it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sorry if there's a question about the plot. I, I don't know what happened. I feel like I'm the opposite. I, I feel like I don't pay attention to these these shows and these movies, but somehow, like through osmosis, I just like we'll rewatch an episode of Daniel Tiger or something, and I'm like, oh, here he goes, here comes his snowflake line, and like I know the line that he's about to say in the play, and I don't remember ever paying attention to it. I, these kids shows just get in your in your head. But the only reason I brought that up is because Cards Fan 922 had a question um, and said, "Is Moana placing the conch shell?" on the top of the pile of flat rocks, worse than Killmonger burning the heart-shaped herb. Um, I'm sure that means something to a lot of people listening. It clearly means nothing to you because you can't pay attention to anything. It means nothing to me. I've never seen Moana, so I You'll, can't you'll get there. You're, you, you, I promise you, Virginia will get there soon, and you will know all these references if it's something that you pay attention to because, I mean— what, you you're just you just try to survive every day. So you will you will watch every movie that's on Disney or Netflix or whatever service you just to get through the day. I'm just excited that we're finally transitioning into like actual shows because up until the last few weeks, it's always been just the the songs, like Little Baby Bum, or if we're watching Sesame Street, she only wants to watch the songs, and now she's finally kind of starting to to listen to actual just talking. So that's. It's a big step for me personally. Um, nice, yeah. Commenter says, "Do you fold or bundle your TP?" I'm a folder. You gotta fold. I if it depends on the TP. If it's like a nice brand like Charmin that's maybe thick and soft, yeah, I'll fold. But if it's like, you know, airport TP that's just dog shit, like I'm not gonna fold. I'm just gonna bundle. I mean, I'm not an animal. Like it, heathens, just just bundle it up and, and shove it back in there. You got to fold. Like that's just. I need the control. I, I need. I need to have that actual, that extra amount of just control in the situation. If I'm if I'm bundled up, I don't know. Like I I, I can't feel like where my hand is at that point. Like I don't know. I, I might just. It might slip a little bit. I don't know. I'm. I feel like I need the the fold. I'm 35 years old. I've. I've got a feel for what's going on whenever I'm bundling. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's not my first rodeo. Uh, well put. I'm fine with that. Uh, 502 Ligon says, will U of O win two national titles within the next three years in any sport? Doesn't have to be the same sport. That's a good question because, I mean, you've got the women's basketball, the women's basketball team could easily win the national title this year. Baseball – if it wasn't the favorite to win last year's national title, it was right there. It was the preseason number one or number two. They're going to be preseason top 10 again this year. Um, women's basketball, with the recruiting class they have, with the young players they have, could right, be right back in the mix next year. I'm going to say, I mean, my answer is going to be no, just because the only national titles we have as far as team sports are considered are the three men's basketball titles. So history would say winning two in the next three years in any sport is probably the – less likely to happen than it is likely to happen. So I'll say no. But 
if the question is, do you think Louisville wins at least one national title in the next three years? I'll say yes. I think that they win. I think they finally break through in either baseball or women's basketball. Then who knows uh, what happens with men's basketball this year or next year? You know, uh, obviously the NCAA stuff, you know, whatever. But uh, soccer programs have been good. Swimming programs have been good. You've got a lot of programs that are in the field. Hockey uh, certainly was in the mix this year. Um, They'll have a chance to win a national title in the spring. Um, So I'll say I I think Louisville wins one in the next three years, but I'll say they don't get to two. First off, you took my exact answer. Um, I think baseball and women's basketball are due for a national title. I think one of them will get it. Um, But we could cheat this question and say yes and include cheerleading because I feel like there's so many cheerleading champions. What are we? Like, they used to announce, like, however many championships we've had in cheerleading. I'm not downgrading. I mean, you know, the the cheerleading championships that are won, but – it, it seems like those are easier to capture um, th- than maybe the other ones are. But, yeah, if you're talking about, uh, you know, anything besides cheerleading, I would say one um, in either women's basketball or baseball. Yeah, well, we win seven spirit national titles every year. And somehow sort of – Yeah. I, I love that that's like the thing where it's like – Kentucky's like, we've won 832 national titles in the last 17 years. I'm like, we've won 965. <laughs> That's exactly, yeah. Like, if someone says, like, they've won eight, like, the next night, it's like, and nine-time champion. Like, it's like they have to, like, one-up each other. I know. I feel like it changes, like, in the middle of the season. Too. Like, <laughs> so do I. You're 37-time. like, weren't they just 35 last <laughs> week from Clemson? Um, but props to the, the spirit groups. They definitely they earn it all for sure. Uh, if you ever yeah. watch the show that with the reality show, a couple uh, so sharp, which has uh, not aged gracefully apparently. But uh, if you watch it all, you know just how much work goes into all that stuff. And they are uh, phenomenal athletes. Um, Howie Lindsay, uh, Howie the, the man, Cardinal Sports back in the day, radio show back in the day. He says, "Can you trust a person who orders vanilla at the ice cream shop?" And the answer is, unless they're younger than six, no. That's accurate. Unless, I mean, you're going to drench it with every topping imaginable, like chocolate syrup, Oreos, right. M&M's, the works. Um, but plain vanilla, you're a serial killer. I mean, that's yeah. all there is. You're, you're a serial murderer if you order plain vanilla and you're over 10 years old. I feel like every year that there's some sort of you know, big ice cream comes out with their poles and says, the most popular flavor in the world is vanilla. Like, and, and I'm like, yeah, if you're, if you're basing it on like Sundays or like blizzards or whatever, as it, as it being a base, but just people eating pure vanilla. No, I, I don't buy that whatsoever. I don't know anybody. Give, give me, give me your top ice cream, not flavors, but uh, brands. What do you mean? Brands? Or, or like, you know, like, is it graders or is it, uh, you know, uh, Comfy cow or whatever. I love um, Ben and Jerry's is great. You can't go this night dough. I feel weird buying a pint of ice cream with Jimmy Fallon's picture on it every single time. It's incredible though. It's delicious. I was checking out one time. Like I bought it on a whim because I like I thought the ingredients looked cool. And uh, I'm in line and some big husky redneck dude behind me is like, he's got that Fallon right there. He's got that good stuff. And ever since then. <laughs> He's got that Fallon right there. He's got that good stuff. And I was like, um, yeah, I, he was right. I went home. I ate it. It was delicious. I really like the 
and I don't know, the, I can't remember the name of the brand off the top of my head. The, is it like Talenti or whatever, the gelato? We get the, um, the chocolate peanut butter cup uh, gelato from there. It's, if you've been to Kroger, you've seen it. It's right there. They've got a billion different uh, pints. Like, that's really good. I love DQ blizzards. So like, like Dairy Queen, it's become a theme of the, of the pod. We both love blizzards. You can't top a, like a really good blizzard to end a Saturday night. We should start, like, just promoting, like, out of nowhere. If the cards win, everyone should go get a blizzard. Um, they're that damn. We used to do that when we were young. If we'd won our baseball game or we'd have a double play in a baseball game, we got to go get blizzards afterwards. But um, besides that, uh, I would say my top two, I mean, it's hard to go against graders. Their double chocolate chips, amazing. And then up here in Columbus, I didn't really even know about it until I moved here. There's a place called Jenny's Ice Cream. Um, it is unbelievable if anyone ever makes their way up here. Um, Jenny's ice cream, folks. Shout out to Jenny. Um, yeah, we love Jenny. Big Jenny pod. Gil Bolberg says, What's worse, the ACC going 0 and 6 in bowl games or Kentucky basketball going 0 and 4 versus ACC teams? Um, oh, that's the easiest answer of all time. I, the bowl games I, don't even give it to me, no one gives a shit. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying no one gives it, like, complete shit, but with the players opting out, you know, I, I just can't even take those games seriously unless it's the, the college football playoff. Uh, it's easily Kentucky 0-4 is more impressive. I, I, know the, I know the ACC thing was historical because I don't think a power conference had gone um, winless in a bowl season before. Like, at least in the, what, the, the playoff era, the BCS era, I saw that stat out there somewhere. But I think it's going to be forgotten in a couple of years because this whole season is probably going to be forgotten in a couple of years. Like people will remember that Alabama or Ohio State won. They'll remember that Ohio State got in, but despite only playing six games in the regular season. But they're they're basically going to forget the ins and the outs of the year because it's been such a uh, such a catastrophe. So I'm with you. I, I'll say UK going 0 4 against a very down ACC. And can we just say like, I I feel like I need to address the UK fans out there. I've been I've been kind of shocked by just how giddy they are over beating Mississippi State and Vanderbilt and like buying into the whole it's a brilliant marketing thing from the UK people doing the whole new season we're 2 and 0 we're undefeated and like I feel like obviously we'd be rooting for Louisville and we'd be excited if they were had won a couple of games in a row after getting off to a slow start but I feel like I wouldn't be I'd still be more pissed than I am happy if if the shoe was on the other foot and I feel like a lot of UK fans are just buying into it and the other absurd thing that I that I keep hearing is and I'm not trying to like blast Matt Jones or do like a KSR sucks thing, but I saw him tweet the other day like if we go 13 and five in the SEC, we're in. And I saw um, Bobby Regan, who I used to do the the podcast with from Barstool, saying if they get the 10 wins in the SEC, they're in. What the fuck are you all uh, smoking? Like, like you haven't lo- like your losses are not good losses. North Carolina is way down. We're, I think, still a work in progress. We're a borderline top 25 team right now. Notre Dame is one of two teams that started conference play with a losing record. That Richmond loss does not look good anymore. Um, Georgia Tech lost to Georgia State and Mercer. Like, these are not quality losses. The Kansas loss is the only one that looks really good right now. They're the only legit, like, top 20 loss that you have. And you've not beaten anybody good. You, you've had narrow wins over maybe the two worst teams in the SEC. Like, where are the people... I don't, I don't know where they're getting this from. If you go 13-5 and five in the SEC this year, a down SEC, which has maybe one really good team in Tennessee and a bunch of just kind of nothing teams in the middle there, 
if you go 13 and five in that league, that puts you at what 14 and 11 for the season. You're not getting into the NCAA tournament with that. Like, that's it, not going to happen. If you go 10 and eight in the league, you're still you have a losing record. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when I, when I see. And when, if you just watch them play, Kentucky, I know they've won two games in a row. But they still, and I'll try to put this as eloquently as I can because people get mad sometimes with the language that we use. But Kentucky fucking sucks. Like, like they're, they're not like basketball team, and I don't see anything that indicates that they're going to have one of these gigantic midseason turnarounds. Am I crazy? No. I, I mean, just the eye test alone. Uh, I mean, I know it's not going to be an eye test when it comes to putting them, you know, either keeping them out or putting them in the tournament. But, I mean, you're right. Like, you know, Vanderbilt is not good at all. And honestly, uh, that game easily could have gone to overtime last night. Um, I know they beat Mississippi State in overtime. Uh, but, I mean, the talent is its just not there. I mean, it really isn't, you know, Boston has, has proved to be, uh, you know, a, <laughs> a one-off when it comes to. He got booed by yeah. the crowd last night. I know, and like I, 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 I don't like that. You know, it, it, do I love when UK is bad at basketball? Of course. I mean, this kid's a college kid, though. Um, I, I don't like booing kids. But with that being said, uh, you know, like we talked about it, it's it's kind of fun to sit back and watch because there's just no threat from them at all right now, and you just know they're not going to be there at the end of the year. Objectively. I think even UK fans would have to admit, if they were on the outside looking at their team, what happened in that Mississippi State game is one of the funniest things that's happened over the past year. Like, UK fans build up Dante Allen as this mythical, you know, bigger-than-God thing, so much so that it becomes a joke where, you know, it's like, who's going to be the next coach of the, you know, the, the whatever NFL team fired somebody, and it was like, Dante Allen. And Calipari finally plays him. And he's even better than they wanted him to be. Like, he comes out of nowhere, saves the team. Calipari gets tossed. Uh, Bruiser Flint comes in. He does all the stuff that the fans have been bitching about for the last month. Plays Alan Moore. Goes to zone. Wins them the game because they do this. And Calipari, I mean, you, there's no doubt that he was pissed off about them winning the game. Like, he can act like he was proud of his guys and he was so excited and they're 1-0. He was furious after that game, and it's just hilarious to see the reaction to. I mean, you got Oscar Combs tweeting after the game about, "Hey Dante Allen, make sure you let John Calipari on your charter flight after the game." Like, I mean, again, objectively, this whole thing is hysterical, and I can only laugh because I don't think that they're going to get it turned around to a place where they're going to be a formidable team come February, March. I mean, maybe if they win the SEC tournament or whatever, but they're just—they're not good, and Calipari having to play, getting forced to play a kid against his will and having that kid go off and single-handedly win you a game is, it's hilarious. I, I completely agree. That, like, not that, I don't know if Cal wanted his team to lose, but the fact not only they won and they won with Allen just going off, had to just absolutely chap his ass more than anything in the entire world. Um, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how Cal approaches this offseason. Like, is he still going to believe in the one-and-dones? Is he going to go for big-time grad transfers now um, or, you know, play the transfer market? I'm, I'm interested to see what his strategy is going to be because, I mean, you know, yes, they've had success in the NCAA tournament. I, I, I guess you can call it success relative to, you know, 
um, what they've recruited, uh, you know, elite eights and, and final four appearances, but only one national title. But, uh, you know, Kentucky fans apparently expect more than that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, because they've had some misses. This would be, if they don't make the tournament, what is this, his third? And would this be his third NIT, um, I believe, since he's been there? So it'll be interesting to see if he keeps the strategy of one-and-done players up. I mean, he called out the fans after last night's game, too, and he seemed genuinely pissed off about the the booing of Boston and all that stuff. I think Cal is just kind of – I think when he got to Lexington, he felt like he was one with Big Blue Nation. Like, I'm as crazy as you guys are. I'm as crazy as recruiting. I hate losing just as much. And I feel like now he's gotten older, and I, I have it on relatively high authority, the reaction to a lot of the stuff they did during the offseason as far as, like, registering the kids to vote and getting out and doing those – social justice marches and stuff, seeing the responses that some some fans out in the state had to that stuff really rubbed him the wrong way. I feel like there's definitely a disconnect between him and the fan base that wasn't there when he was bringing in John Wall and the Twins and all that stuff in that first half of his tenure. I don't know. I, I still feel like we're seeing the beginning of the end of the the, the, the great Calipari era in Lexington. Like they'll, they'll, probably, they'll have some good teams. Like As long as he stays there, they'll keep recruiting well and they'll be better than they were uh, this season, I think next year and the year after that and all that stuff. But I don't think we're ever going to get back to them just being like the it program in college basketball as long as he's there. Again, maybe I'm wrong. Um, he's he's uh, proven us wrong before, but it just seems like all the evidence is pointing towards that not being the case. Um, let's see here. <laughs> Jeff Miller says, if it guarantees a win over UK, will you knock the Christmas tree over again next year? Um, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I, I'm the only good thing about, I know we talked about it uh, a couple of podcasts ago, like a couple of weeks after the Christmas tree fiasco, my wife uh, got into a car accident. And the only good thing to come out of that, I was like, well, it's not going to be remembered as the Christmas that I knocked the Christmas tree over anymore. Like it's going to be <laughs> the COVID Christmas where like 30 bad things happened during the month. So at least it's not a standalone thing. And we kind of were joking about it the other night. But if I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt, that we beat Kentucky if I knocked over the Christmas tree. You, you, you better do it, or I would come over and Goldberg spear you into that Christmas tree. I mean, I don't know if I accurately conveyed how much this tree means to my wife. Like how, like <laughs> taking it down the other day, and there were a couple of ornaments that had injuries that we hadn't initially discovered, and it was like reliving the whole thing over all over again. She's like, "The snowman lost a leg." I was like, "Oh my god, please!" It's like. Like, don't find, like, shattered glass in there. I'm just, I'm begging you. If there's a God, just help me get through this tree takedown without getting any more shit. It was it was bad. The whole thing was bad. Um, but, yeah, I'd probably do it. I, I, we I, talk I, about how, how underrated worst day of the year is taking Christmas stuff down. Oh, my God. It's the worst day ever. I hate it. It's, it's depressing, and it's a pain in the ass. It's just, at least when you're putting it up, like, you know that, you're going to get to enjoy the decorations for the next month. The house is going to look fun. Like Christmas is a good time. When you're taking it down, there's just – it's a task that brings no joy, and, it's, and it sucks. It's, it's awful. I still have to take it on the outside lights, and I'm not looking forward to that at all. Um, a lot of people are asking about the quarterback situation at Louisville, if we're going to get another guy. I saw we got the, the Georgia Southern quarterback uh, who transferred in a couple of days ago, but he's not going to play quarterback here. He's kind of a 2-2 Atwell situation where they're going to use him as an athlete. Um, I did like kind of out of nowhere Malik Cunningham making the announcement that he was coming back where like, like there's been no talk of him going anywhere else or, you know, going pro or, or whatever. But 
all the guys who are using their extra year of eligibility. Like, uh, you know, Cole Bentley made his announcement the other day. They've been making their announcement and getting a lot of attention. So Malik Cunningham's like, <laughs> just want to let everybody know, I'm coming back, guys, one more year. And everyone's like, okay, like, great. Like, we're happy, but we kind of expected this. But, yeah, they, if the talk of Louisville landing a grad transfer quarterback has kind of died down in recent weeks. I don't know if, uh, if you know there are still options out there, if the same options are still out there. But they need to bring in at least one more guy. There's, there's no question about it. Um, you need more than just uh, Cunningham and um, the, the two other scholarship quarterbacks that they're planning on having for next season. You've got to find somebody else to at least push Malik a little bit to too, because yeah, uh, he was not great this year. He was better, I think, last year when he was being pushed. So here's hoping we bring in somebody in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I I, I think like you said, that's a must, and with the way. Um, Malik actually plays with as much as he runs. I mean, this year we kind of lucked out that he played pretty much the whole season, but, you know, we saw on numerous occasions uh, that, you know, he'd have to go out of play with, with, with you know, getting hit the wrong way or, or taking a big hit. So you cannot bank on having zero to no experience um, in the quarterback position as a backup next year because that would put us in a very tough spot. Um, let's see here. Clayton says, is today our first shot at a quadrant one win now that WKU has dropped three and Seton Hall has dropped four? And why the hell are we four and a half point favorites tonight? Um, this is actually not a quadrant one win opportunity. The net rankings just came out this week for the first time. Quadrant one wins, if you're looking for a refresher, are uh, beating a team that's ranked one through 30 at home, one through 50 on a neutral, or one through 75 away from home. This is a home game against Virginia Tech, who is number 33 in the net rankings right now, Louisville, if you're wondering, is uh, number 31. So this technically would be a quad two win if Louisville was able to get it. Uh, beating Western Kentucky at home was also not a quad one win because they are, I don't even know where they are. They're down, looks like in the, uh, they are 88th right now in the um, current net rankings. So that actually is a quad three win. And then Seton Hall, if I can look it up really quick is currently number 44 in the net rankings. Seton Hall is playing really well. We caught them at a great time because I think by the end of the year, they're going to be a very tough out. No, I totally agree. They are, they're, they're getting healthy. Having Bryce Aiken back is huge. Um, I'm, I think that's, I'll be surprised if Seton Hall is not an NCAA tournament team uh, when all is said and done. Uh, if you're wondering, Pittsburgh is number 78. That was a road game for us. So that's actually just outside of being a quad one win. That's the closest to a quad one win that we have right now is beating Pitt on the road because um, they're just outside of that 75 range. And then Boston College is 132. So um, still no shots at, at a quad one win this week. But who knows? Virginia Tech, if they you know lose to us and then start playing well, maybe they can get in that top 30. But it's always easier to pull off those wins. I feel like we're, it's going to be easier to make those happen on the road this year because they haven't adjusted the algorithm to um, to acknowledge that there are no fans at a lot of these games. So uh, we'll see. But, yeah, to answer the question, no. And why are we a four-and-a-half-point favorite? Because Ken Palm has us winning by about four. So the Vegas typically kind of mimics him, and uh, that's what we got. Uh, Whitetail Doe says, what does Quinn have to do to become full Dwayne Sutton? What does this inevitable, though likely, distant moment look like? I do like that Quinn, he's, he's mentioned this several times, both last year and this year, that he's kind of, he, he tries to emulate Dwayne Sutton, feels like he learned a lot from him last year. And I wrote this in my Boston College uh, thoughts the other day. The thing that I think he's definitely inherited from Dwayne, Dwayne was always the guy when 
it looked like a game was about to get away from us when the other team was about to, to have all the momentum. Like, Dwayne always hit a big three kind of out of nowhere to stop that momentum. Quinn's done that the last two games. He did it against UK at the start of the second half. And then the three that he hit um, in the, I think it was in the first half of the Boston College game, kind of stopped their momentum dead and allowed us to seize control for the entire game. So he definitely has that. I think he plays as hard as Dwayne. He's not nearly as athletic as Dwayne. He can't do a lot of the things that Dwayne could do offensively. But at least from just a, a mentality standpoint, he seems to have that same bulldog. He probably talks way more shit than Dwayne. Like Dwayne played hard and, and kind of let his play do all the talking. Didn't really get in people's heads. I mean, you had Quinzinski calling uh, Isaiah Jackson a fuckboy to his face in the, in the middle of like the most heated game of the year. So that's a little bit of a difference there. Yeah, Quinn, I, I mean, you knew this going into the season. I absolutely love this kid. Um, he, he's everything I want in a basketball player. Uh, like you said, the, the one thing about Quinn, he's not afraid. Um, he has absolutely zero fear when he gets on the court. And he's even admitted, yeah, like, yeah, there's, there's players that are probably quicker, maybe more talented um, than I am. But, you know, he doesn't care. He, he, he goes out and he plays his game. Um, and there's just a certain kind of calmness for me when Quinn is on the court, especially on the offensive end. It seems like he's, he makes a lot of good decisions. Um, but the thing that struck me, his interview after the Boston college game where he was glowing about David Johnson, he said, it's, I thought I was listening to a coach. He was like, man, we're, uh, you know, I'm just so happy for Dave, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is exactly how a coach talks. So um it's good to see Quinn get some shine the one one thing that I don't know if a lot of people notice you can tell that he's slowly becoming maybe one of the leaders on the team there was a play in the first half where they threw the ball in the post to JJ trainer and he kind of went up or turned softly and the Boston College forced a jump ball and the camera cut out real quick but before it did Quinn went right up to him and literally grabbed his jersey and looked like he was about to get right in his face as, as you know, kind of tell him to toughen up. So um, I, I absolutely love what this kid brings to the team. And I think by the time he graduates, he's going to be a, a big-time fan favorite. Yeah, I remember when he first committed to Louisville, this was before he signed, one of the first interviews he gave, he was talking about how Chris Mack sold him on the idea of coming to Louisville. And he said, you know, Mack told him he could be kind of like a, a J.P. McCura, where – you develop slowly over your college career, but become a leader. Like he had that same type of bulldog mentality. And I think you can definitely see like JP Makura talked all sorts of shit at Xavier and wasn't afraid of anybody. And I think you definitely see that with Quinn Slinsky. And I would not be shocked at all if, you know, next year he'll be a junior. He could be one of those juniors who gets voted team captain and, and definitely leads. And his game is coming along as well. And he definitely got the, uh, the, the nuke Lelouch uh, sort of like treatment when it comes to interviews. Like he definitely knew, knew what to say, how to handle himself and, and what the fans were going to like. So that was uh, was very cool to see. Um, sources say, Card78 says, that you are what's wrong with the world. Can you confirm? Absolutely, because um, I say Vatek. Um, Cameron Ross, did you see this leap in shooting ability coming from David Johnson? <clears throat> to answer the question, no. Like, I, I didn't at all. And I I especially didn't see it after the, the first couple of games because his shot didn't look good uh, against Evansville. It didn't look good in whoever we played second. I don't know if that was Prairie View or, or somebody else, but he looked like it was still too straight, didn't have enough arc, and it was just kind of like punishing the, the rim and the glass. But David Johnson, last two games, seven of 10 from three. And if you go back to um, December 1st, when, when the calendar flipped, he's 12 of his last 22 from three. And I think that's the most impressive to me is 
he looks good when he misses shots now. It's, it's not like it was last year where when he missed, it was it looked like it was a shot that could break the glass or, or bend the rim. The two that he missed on Saturday, he missed one that was just barely long off the back iron uh, from straightaway, and then one from the left wing that went in and out in the second half. He, I mean, he looks like a shooter now. I don't think it's ever going to be the strongest part of his game because he's such a good penetrator and a good finisher around the rim. But he's now become a he's become a, a three point threat to the point where guys just can't play off him anymore, and that's going to, to I think open back up that best part of his game moving forward. It's a huge development for him. I I think the big part for him last year, we didn't really have a lot of creators that could create shots for Dave. If he wasn't going to get anything, um, he was usually going to have to do it on his own. Um, and this year with Carleek being able to penetrate, get in the lane, it just opened up a lot more free opportunities of him taking actual good threes and in rhythm threes. So I think that's one big part of the improvement. Um, and hey, while, while he's hot, keep shooting him. I have no problem with it at all. Um, you know, obviously, I think I don't think it's the best part of his game. I still think the best part of the game is his ability to finish at the rim with ease. Um, but, you know, hey, while it's going good right now, uh, his shot looks good. The confidence is there. I would just keep firing him up if you're open. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he's been great. We had a couple questions from people wanting to know if there's an update on Charles Minland. Uh, Max said, I guess, Monday during his press conference or Tuesday during his press conference that uh, Midland won't play against Virginia Tech. He's, he's still in the process of getting back. But, <clears throat> excuse me, just reading between the lines and seeing him in full warm-ups against Kentucky, in warm-ups against uh, Boston College over the weekend, and apparently getting back into the five-on-five stuff in practice, like it's going to be sooner rather than later. I think it'll be within the next couple of weeks. And I mean, just look at how much Josh Nickelberry has helped getting back uh, into the flow of things, having another guard to throw out there who can keep defenses honest, who can make threes, who can defend well enough. When you throw Midland into the mix, who I think is an even more talented offensive player and has the potential to be just as good defensively, and I think could be another leader for this team, just somebody who just really knows the game well and has a lot of experience, that's a huge addition to get in the middle of the season. And then, you know, Malik Williams is the big unknown at this point. I think in another year, in any other year, he probably just goes ahead and sits out the entire season. But with this being a free year eligibility-wise, if he wanted to come back next year, there's no harm in him coming back even in late February if he can work, get work back into the mix. So, I mean, we're playing pretty well right now. And again, I think we'll know more about this team after this week, but we're playing pretty well right now without two guys who one of them definitely would have been a starter. I think Midland would have had a chance to compete to be a starter. And even if they got both wind up coming off the bench. They're going to play huge roles in whatever success this team has. There's plenty of reason to be excited about these next couple of months, and getting those guys uh, healthy and back into the mix is, is certainly part of that. Yeah, and nothing can replace game experience, but I think it's nice that, you know, with our record being 2-0 in the ACC and 7-1 and overall, um, or 6-1, and I forget exactly what the record is, but um, it, it, it's kind of afforded Chris Mack the luxury of being able to make sure that, you know, a guy like Josh Nickelberry, who's looked really good since he's been back from injury, or even a Charles Minlin, like, we didn't just throw them back into the fire immediately and rush them back from injury. I'm sure that, you know, he's having to uh, hit certain checkpoints in practice to where, you know, Chris Mack feels like he is ready. So um, I, I'm just like you. I'm, I'm very anxious to see him on the court. I think he's going to bring a lot to our team, um, you know, from – uh, a leadership perspective 
And yeah, it's, uh, I mean, definitely with him and Malik, uh, it just seems like our ceiling is a lot higher than I think a lot of the nation is, is giving our team credit for. Steven says, is there any team in the ACC that legitimately scares you right now? No. I mean, no. no. The only team, and I I think I kind of said this a little bit earlier, the only team that I think can get to the point where they're scary, and it's not just because they've they've owned us since we joined the conference, but I I still think Virginia has all the pieces in place, and we've seen them have slow starts under Tony Bennett and then really hit their stride in in mid-January, late January moving forward. Like I think it's one of those years where I wish we'd gotten – one of the Virginia games early. Like I, I, I think we're going to regret not being able to play them, um, you know, in December or early January because I mean, they've got every piece you need to be a really good team. I think they'll be better. I, I think come March they'll be better this March than they were last March, and they were pretty good last March uh, by the time they got there. So I think, but besides that, like, no. I mean, Duke has talent because they always have talent, but who knows if they can realize that Florida State. I don't think it's going to get anywhere near where they've been the last few years. I mean, they've got some – Scotty Barnes is awesome, but I don't think that they have the full roster. I don't think he has enough complementary pieces to be as good as they've been the last uh, couple of seasons. UNC seems totally lost right now. And then all these, you know, kind of surprise teams like NC State and Clemson and Virginia Tech, you know, we'll see. Um, they've had their moments in recent years and then haven't been able to put complete seasons together uh, besides Virginia Tech a couple of years ago when they should have beaten Duke. But – I mean, I think I'm with you. I, I think by the time all said and done, there's no reason why we can't be as good as anybody in this conference um, once March rolls around. I, I, I think my favorite part about this team, and sorry, I'm kind of going off script here, the question, is the fact that the strong point of our team is our guards. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about like a, a certain – uh calmness uh or, or a certain like outlook of seasons when we have really good guards um it just seems like i have a better feeling going into uh march and i just totally love what both our guy you know carly and david johnson bring to the table right now yes we're we're gonna need better front court play at, at some point um but right now i mean i just don't think anyone can match up with those two um, but I'm with you. I, I would say Virginia, and I'm I'm not going to write off Duke. I, I still think they have a lot of talent. Um, it might take them a little longer to mesh, but uh, I would say those, if I could pick two teams, would be teams that I could see, you know, up with us at the end of the season. All right. Do you have, uh, before we wrap this thing up, do you have a official prediction for tonight's game? Official prediction. I feel, gosh, I feel pretty good. I, I, I think we're playing good. I'll say we win uh, 73-65. I secretly love this streak over Virginia Tech because we've beaten some pretty good teams. Like, we, Virginia Tech, a few years ago when Buzz had them rolling, like, they didn't lose at Castle Coliseum at all. I think they'd lost like, four games there in the previous five years, and we'd been responsible for three of them. So I, I love just owning a pretty good program, kind of like we do with Pitt. Uh, I hated when that streak ended a couple of years ago. So I really want us to keep beating them and just see, take this thing as far as we can go. And I, I think we win tonight. I, I, I would not be shocked at all if they didn't win. Cause I think Virginia Tech's good. And I think we're still a little bit of a mystery, but I, I say we get the job done. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a little bit ugly at times, but I'll say Louisville wins. Uh, we'll get to that magic 71 point mark where we have not lost under Chris Mack the last two years. I'll say we win 72, 70. It's a nail biter but we get the job done. Um, do you have a Dan in the Dump story for this week? If not, 
I can hit you with a quick mic in the mug. Yeah, uh, well, just a quick one. Uh, I'll let you do Mike in the mud, but um, for Christmas, our son got a drone, and two <laughs> days later, he flew it away. So that's my day in the dumps. He was really sad about it. If you got your kids a drone for Christmas, you might want to rethink it. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go on with Mike in the mud. But hold on. Because I, I, I had some questions, and you just kind of glossed over my questions when I threw them at you earlier. And Mary, when I told her about this, had the exact same question. So – for stars, when we saw that your son got a drone, I mean, we all knew it was gone. And we all knew it wasn't even his fault. It's your fault for letting this happen. This was the easiest thing to predict in the world. But like, you said he flew it off into the stratosphere. How did you not even like go looking for this thing? Like, like how was oh, it? Okay. Just, it's totally so here's, here's what happened, all right? This was the morning of the UK game. I told you I was very hungover from the night before, and I actually was in bed, so my dad <laughs> took him out to an open field. So I was woken up to Cam at about 9.30 telling me that he flew his drone away. And so I had to go up and talk to my dad, and obviously my dad, I think, felt bad about it. And they have since replaced the drone, so that's how bad they felt about it. But my dad was like, I guess I underestimated the power of this thing because uh, my parents live in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, which is kind of right over the Ohio River, kind of, uh, you know, close to the northern Kentucky airport. My dad was like, that thing is halfway to the airport by now. So um, I, I didn't see how high it went or how far it went, but my dad said there was zero chance we were ever getting it back. Where have you set the over-under on Drone 2? disappearing or being broken where's that right now because it's gonna happen well here's the deal he hasn't even set it up yet and we me and my wife since he kind of it's not like he forgot about it but he's just been occupied with other things so we've kind of put it away um because we know as soon as it gets set up you can kiss it goodbye or it's going to be broke one way or the other so um i'm sure whenever he puts it together i'll give it mm, three days even though we're telling me he has to keep it in the house Knowing him, uh, I think he'll venture outside at some point and fly that motherfucker to Saturn if he has to. Things gone by February. No way, no way it's still around in February. I don't even know when he's going to come out, but it's, I'm saying that right now. Not going to happen. Uh, quick Mike in the Mud story, not uh, overly, just kind of a, a little tidbit. We, when it's warm enough, my wife and I, when she gets off work at five, we always take the dog and the baby on a little walk around our neighborhood. And there are like four or five girls that play down the street and we always see them and they always want to see Virginia and talk about how cute she is. And yeah, their ages are probably like, I don't know, three, four to like seven. It's actually uh, one of the girls is, you remember Elliot, my, the producer for Ramsey and Rutherford at 790? Uh-huh. It's his daughter. Like, like they, they live on our street and she's super sweet. Luxie's her name. Uh, Elliot's the man. Love him. No way he's listening to this podcast, but that's fine. Elliot, you rule. Um, but so they're always out there and they always stop and say hi and all this stuff. So a couple of nights ago when it was warmer, they stopped. They're like talking about Virginia and all that. And Mary's making, you know, mom chit chat with them and saying, you know, you guys dreading going back to school and all this stuff. And one of them saying, yeah, like, you know, elementary school is tough and, and all this. And, and Mary's like, well, it's been a long time since I've been to elementary school, but I remember it being hard. And the, the smallest of the girls, like she's probably four years old, points at me and goes, yeah, but it's been way longer for him since he's been to elementary. <laughs> That's right. My wife and I are the exact same age. She just—it was just her birthday over the weekend. She just turned uh, 36, like me. And I was like, 
I was like, we laughed and like moved on. I was like, God damn it. Like, like she just right to my core, just, just cut me deep. I'm like, I don't even, I had the, I had a, like a beanie on. You couldn't even see the, the, the receding hairline. I was going to say, I was, I didn't want to be mean, but I was like, were you wearing a hat at this moment? Cause that could I be was. a dead giveaway. I was. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the hair adds 15 years. In, in the I'll tell time. you what, man, kids are, they will expose the absolute worst of you. Like if, if there's something that you have wrong with you, that maybe no one else will call out. If you have a kid from the ages four through eight, they will tell you exactly what is wrong with you, and it'll ruin your next five years. <laughs> it's like the Mulaney bit where it's like these like teenage kids like reveal your biggest insecurities and just go right for your heart. It's a hundred percent. Oh, my 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 son's always talking to my wife, and he's like, "How come Daddy never gets off the couch?" And I'm like, "Cam, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> We're on a team here, bud." Uh, all right. If you haven't subscribed to the pod, please do so wherever you listen to it. Uh, if you want to leave us a, a nice review, give us a five-star rating. It really helps us out. We had a bunch of new five-star ratings. Uh, we're up to 563, which is absurd. No new reviews, though. But if you do want to write a review and say something stupid or say something nice or say something mean, we'll probably read it on the air. Um, so that's a, a little bit of an incentive to add something there. The Dan Sennard fan club has kind of died down. We had a run there where Dumpster Dan was just getting all these nice reviews. Uh, haven't had one in a while, so we need to pick that back. Hey, if people want to, if, if the haters are there and haven't written anything and want to bash me, I would be glad to read one of those reviews as well. I'm all for it. Did you see you got some love for uh, Card Chronicle Person of the Year? You, you were nominated by multiple people, and there, there were some people in the comments section of the website who were upset that you didn't take home the honor, uh, didn't take it away. Jeff Walls is the 2020 recipient, a deserved winner, but you were in the running uh, in your first in, in your first go. Maybe 2021 will be better. Congrats, congrats to Jeff, first off. Um, I want to act humble and say, no, I didn't notice it, but I did notice it a little bit, <laughs> and it would have been awesome, and I totally would have made some sort of plaque and put it right on my bedroom wall for all to see, but um hey there's there's next year maybe you're starting off hot uh this first week this is a uh, a solid start on your road to 2021 card chronicle person of the year again big thanks to everybody who listens as always we're going to have another pod for you before the end of the week recapping the, this game tonight and getting you ready for the weekend and everything else going on in the world of cardinal sports so until you hear from us again go cards go cards